think it was uh, something I read this past week. I think it was from the uh, Reader's Digest and the uh, Laughter is the Best Medicine section. I don't know if any of you like reading that. I think the, the story... Uh, went something like the the husband was pacing in a hospital hallway outside the delivery room, and his his wife was in the delivery room in labor, and he's pacing the hallways outside. Many hours pass, and finally, this uh, this husband who's pacing the halls, he's he's drenched in sweat. He's getting more anxious as the the hours go by in this delivery process, and finally, he just he doesn't know how much more of this he can take as he's waiting. Finally, the nurse pops out of the delivery room and says, Congratulations, sir. You have a beautiful, healthy baby girl. And the father's relieved. He collapses down into a chair and says, Oh, thank the good Lord that it's a girl. And the nurse was a, you know, a little you know, interested at what, what made him say that. And she asked him, Well, why, why would you say that you're so thankful that it's a girl and not a boy? And without a touch of irony, the, fa- the new father had replied, well, that means she'll never have to go through the long agony that I've just experienced. <laughs> uh, any fathers here who, who uh, identify with that? How about any mothers? <laughs> he had uh, compassion of some sort, but I think he was lacking in wisdom, I think was the key component missing there. Now, last week we looked at the story of Queen Esther, And we looked at how easily fear can become a barrier to stepping out in faith and doing what God wants us to do. And we we saw how powerful fear can be as a motivational factor in our decision-making and in our behavior. But there's a motivation uh, even more powerful than fear. And that motivation is compassion. And compassion is what causes us to forget about ourselves, forget about our own needs, and instead focus on the needs of others even at our own expense. And we saw an example of that in the children's video here this morning where the mother who had compassion on her child was willing to give up her own rights for the sake of her child. This sort of compassion motivated and defined Jesus' entire ministry, and we're going to look at a few examples of that this morning from God's Word. So I would invite you to bow with me, and let's ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that by your Word... Your wisdom, heaven's wisdom, is made available to us. But Lord, we also know that in and of ourselves, it can be difficult sometimes to understand or to grasp the deep meaning that you have for each one of us through your word. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to do that work of translating your word for us uh, within our, our inner man, within our spirit, in our minds, Lord. Speak to each one who's here this morning exactly where they are. You know their needs. You knew they'd be here this morning, and so I pray that in some way you would touch them through your word. And so, Father, we ask your blessing on it. I pray that you would speak through me. May the words be yours, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Very early on, the man knew that something was wrong. Something was different. It started out as simple fatigue and joint pain. But like most men, at first he just simply ignored it. He kept working, hoping that it would just go away on its own. It didn't. Soon he noticed a small patch of scaly skin develop, but he dismissed it as nothing. Soon others began to notice how much he had slowed down and commented on his pale complexion. His family grew worried. When the first lump appeared on his arm, he couldn't hide it any longer. He needed to get this checked out. And so setting out early one morning, he began the three-day journey from the region of Galilee 
to the temple in Jerusalem. Weary and covered in dust from the road, he finally reached the temple and was directed to an area that he had never been in before. Others were waiting there as well, waiting their turn to see the priest, the poor, the sick, and the lame. On the other side of the room, kept away from everyone else, were the lepers. The lepers, catching sight of them, he felt a knot form in his stomach. The instant revulsion he felt, the cringing away from anyone who had the dreaded disease of leprosy. After a many-hour wait, it was finally his turn. The priest kept his distance and briskly asked him, What is it? What can I do for you? Without saying a word, he rolled back his sleeve and revealed a now large, pus-filled sore that had developed on his arm. He then slipped back his collar to the side and revealed another sore on his neck. And finally, he opened his robe, lifted his shawl, and revealed that his chest and stomach had multiple spots, lumps, and sores. The priest stiffened, took a quick step back. A look of revulsion appeared in his eyes, and the words darted out of his mouth like daggers piercing the man's soul. I hereby declare you unclean. Now hear the words of the law. A leper must wear torn clothes, and his hair must be unkept. And everywhere he goes, he must cover his mouth with his hand and shout, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And with that, the priest turned and was gone. His worst nightmare had just become his reality. The fear that he had denied for so long was now true. He had leprosy. He was a leper. And as he slowly picked himself up, he stood there in that room for several minutes in a state of shock. Then with grim determination, he started to rip his robe. He bent down and gathered the dust from the floor in his hands and he rubbed it all over his face, into his hair, pulling it in all directions until he looked like a wild man. And when he stepped outside, he slowly covered his mouth with his hand and he choked out the dreaded words, Unclean! I'm unclean! And for the first time in his life, people instinctively recoiled at his presence. A mother in the street quickly grabbed her children, pulled them away. Don't you dare touch that man. Stay away from him. A vendor on the street corner threw something at him and shouted, Get out of here, you filth. You're scaring away my customers. Slowly made his way out of the city. Unclean. Unclean. The terrible words nearly choking him as the crowds instantly parted before him and darted away. Filth, scum, dirty sinner. Their cutting words followed him as he exited through the city gate and started for home. Then it dawned on him. He had no home to return to. His wife, his children, he could never touch them again. He could never take his children on his lap or kiss his wife. They would forever be beyond his reach. For all intents and purposes, his life was over. He was now an outcast from everyone that he loved most in this world. And the days returning home passed as though in a fog. The moments running together in his mind as he finally 
returned home for the last time. His family's confusion when he yelled out, Stop! Don't come any closer! And then their look of horror as he cried out, I'm a leper! He looked over his shoulder for the last time as he saw his wife and children huddled tightly together, weeping and sobbing uncontrollably. That final memory would be etched in his mind forever. He knew from experience that a memorial service would be held for him in his village by the local rabbi shortly thereafter. He was dead to them. And after the allotted time of mourning, his wife would even be allowed by the law to remarry. He would never again feel her touch or the touch of another human being ever again. That is, until he met a man named Jesus. I want you to turn there with me this morning to Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, we read this remarkable story. I want to read it one more time. It's just a few brief verses. But this story perfectly encapsulates the life of this man called Jesus. Verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him on his knees, and said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now we cannot read this passage and understand its true meaning, or the depth of it, until we understand the human component. At one time, Every leper was someone's father or mother, a sister or a brother, a son or a daughter, someone who has loved and loved others. We don't know exactly who this man was from this account in Scripture, but one thing we know for certain is that he was someone's son. Quite likely, he had been someone's husband or father. And because of the nature of this infectious disease, instantly relationships were severed. Families were destroyed, and the person with leprosy was left utterly alone to live out the rest of their painful existence in isolation. Very few people would help them. Even fewer would come close enough to converse with them and have a conversation. But absolutely no one would reach out and touch a leper. The most obvious reason is that the the disease is contagious, People lived in real terror and fear of contracting this dreaded disease. The second reason being that according to Jewish law, anyone who came in contact with anything deemed unclean, including, of course, a leper, would they themselves then become ceremonially unclean. And if you came in contact with something unclean, such as a leper, in contact with a dead body or blood, you would have to go through a lengthy process of ritual purification that usually lasted about a week's time. And so when this occurred, you would not be allowed to worship in the synagogue, in the temple, or to give an offering until you have gone through the process of purification. And so anyone who considered themselves at all religious especially priests, Pharisees, or rabbis, they would go to great length to never come in contact with anything that could keep them from being ceremonially clean and would keep them out of their place of work, being the synagogue or the temple. And so there's so many barriers in place 
for this story to happen. There's the barrier of fear, the barrier of a contagious, dreaded disease, the barrier of the social stigma of becoming ceremonially unclean and all the work and inconvenience that involved to be cleaned. All of these things stood between Jesus and this leprous man. And yet, in spite of all of those barriers, both visible and invisible, Jesus looked past the man's ragged appearance. He looked past his festering wounds. He looked past the label of leper. And he saw someone in need. And so, Jesus reached out his hand and he touches him. He actually touches him. Now, the Bible doesn't say where he touched him. But if you had to ask me to guess, I believe that Jesus touched him right on his bare skin, right on top of where the leprosy was. Jesus reached out and touched the wound. We have other accounts where Jesus reached out and touched a deaf man's ears. He reached out and touched a blind man's eyes. I believe here he reached out and touched a leprous man's sores. He touches him. And we can only imagine what that touch must have felt like for that man. To have not felt the touch of another human being in who knows how many years. Not a hug, not a slap on the back, not even a handshake. What an incredible moment that must have been to have someone reach out and touch him. Philip Yancey tells the story of Dr. Paul Brand who has devoted his entire life to treating leprosy patients in India. In the course of one examination, Dr. Brand laid his hand on the patient's shoulder and informed him through a translator of the treatment that would lay ahead. He warned him that it would be, it would be difficult, it would be painful at times. And to his surprise, the man began to shake with muffled sobs. At first, Dr. Brand thought the man must just be fearful of the treatment, and he tried to reassure him that it wouldn't be painful, but the man can, wouldn't be too painful, but the man continued to just sob uncontrollably. And finally, Dr. Brand asked the translator, what have I said wrong? What have I done that has got them in this state? The translator quizzed the patient and reported back, no doctor, he says he's not crying because of the pain. He's crying because your hand is on his shoulder. And until he came here, no one had touched him in years. It was a simple touch, an act of compassion that cut through where words could not. Now, as incredible as it is that the man was healed of leprosy in that very instant, God's power went out through Jesus Christ, his act of compassion, and healed that man in that very instant, the, the, the skin is reconstructed. The molecules have to come together in a healing process that happens just like that. The man is instantly cured. And in, as incredible as that is, when we put that in the context of Jesus' entire ministry, this sort of thing was an everyday occurrence. This was just another day at the office for Jesus. In fact, every margin and footnote of the Gospels are simply jam-packed with Jesus healing countless people. This past week, I 
did an exercise of just speed reading through the entire Gospels. Just sometimes you, you get mired down in, in reading individual verses and you lose the big picture. So every once in a while I like to just skim through the entire Gospels to see the big picture. And what impressed me most in doing this was the countless margins, castaway sentences, and Jesus healed many people. In fact, there's verses that say the entire crowd was healed. It says the power was going out from him and anyone who came in contact with him was healed. This was just another day at the office for Jesus. And so, without diminishing the miracle itself, what I find most impressive in this story is not that Jesus healed the man, but that Jesus touched the man when he didn't have to. Jesus could have healed him just with a word. And in fact, many times he healed people by just speaking. He didn't have to touch them. He didn't have to touch this man in order to heal him. So it begs the question, why? Why did Jesus touch him? Look again at verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. There's our answer. That word again, compassion. Compassion. It motivated Jesus to go above and beyond simply meeting the outward need. It motivated him. It so moved him that the most natural thing in the world was for him to reach out his hand and touch this man in a way that met an inward need. You see, this man needed more than just healing. He needed the loving touch of a friend. Someone who had come all the way down to his level and identify with him right where he was at. Identify with him in every single way and love him just exactly where he was. Mother Mother Teresa has said, We have drugs to treat people with diseases like leprosy. But these drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. That's what my sisters hope to provide. The sick and poor and, and those who suffer, they suffer more from rejection than from material want. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Mother Teresa devoted much of her life to helping those with leprosy and the poor, and she knows exactly what it looks like for these people to be unwanted. A a scholar of the Torah by the name of Darren N. Huckey, he shed some further light on what Jesus' touch meant from a Jewish perspective, and how people would have seen it in that day. This is what he writes. According to a Talmudic interpretation of Isaiah 53, verse 4, the Talmud is those appendages added by Jewish rabbis to explain the Old Testament. This is what the rabbis agreed on the passage of Isaiah 53, verse 4. According to the Talmud, the Messiah takes upon himself leprosy so that he might bear our afflictions. The rabbis said, His name is the leopard, the leper scholar. For as it is written, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him as a leper, smitten of God and afflicted. Jesus used this understanding as evidence that he was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. When questioned by the disciples of John, this was his reply. Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. Jesus became the leper Messiah for our sake. 
When it says he became sin for us, he took our diseases upon himself, here Jesus symbolizes in a touch, taking leprosy upon himself. No, Jesus did not break out with the disease, but he did, however, become unclean ceremonially for the sake of this man. By reaching out and touching him, Jesus identified with this man's uncleanness. Jesus would have therefore been barred from entering any synagogue or the temple for at least a one-week period simply by touching this man. Jesus identified with this man's disease in every single way. He took it in doing so upon himself. When he could have just spoken a word, he willingly became unclean for the sake of this man. Rather than staying at a distance, he entered his story and in compassion guided his hand to reach out and touch this man. And you see, what Jesus did for this leprous man, it is a perfect picture of what he has done for all of us. For every last one of us is born with a condition every bit as bad as leprosy, if not worse. It's called sin. Sin is a condition so serious that it's 100% fatal. Like leprosy, sin separates families, destroys lives. The longer sin and its power lingers in a life, the longer it goes untreated, the worse it becomes. And eventually, the consequences of sin is first physical death, and second spiritual death, and eternal separation from God. But just as Jesus did for the leper, Jesus looked at your situation and he was moved with compassion. Jesus looked at you, and he was so moved by compassion that he reached out from heaven to touch earth and to touch you. He did it so completely, so entirely, that he took your situation, your sin, upon himself. He took your pain and your suffering, and in that one touch, he changed everything. Because by one touch of Jesus... You can be healed, cleansed, and forgiven. Just as Jesus instantly transformed the life of this man with leprosy, so too he can transform you. And Jesus, so moved by compassion, reached out his hands on the cross of Calvary. He took the nails for our place. He cried out, it is finished. And it is, my friends, it is finished. It's done it's over. All we have to do is receive the gift of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The leper Messiah is my Messiah. He has reached out his hand. He has touched my life. He has touched my life, and it's why I'm standing up here today. So let me ask you, is he your Messiah? Has Jesus touched your life? Have you felt his healing within your life? Is he your Messiah? If he isn't today, like that man, you can throw yourself on your knees before Jesus today and say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus will say to you, just as he said to that man, I am willing. I am more than willing. I am ready to reach out my hand and to touch your life wherever you are.
And so today, wherever you're at, Jesus is the cure. Whatever your disease, Jesus has the answer. Throw yourself before him, and he will reach out his hand. So why not ask him today? But now, if like me, you've already received that touch of Jesus, the next step is to learn to become more like him. Because healing is for a purpose. And once that man was healed, what did he do? For joy, he couldn't contain himself. He ran out, and what did he do? Jesus told him not to tell everyone because he knew that this would bring so much attention that he wouldn't even be able to get his work done. But the man just couldn't help himself, and he tells everyone he meets, and it says that so many crowds were packing around him, he couldn't even enter the cities. He goes out into the wilderness, but the people flock to him still. This man could not contain the joy that he had because of just one touch. And so this is the call for us. If you have felt the touch of Jesus for joy, don't contain it. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell others so that they too can flock to this Messiah, this healer, and experience his touch for yourself. And so if we want to become more like Jesus, here are five key things that I want to close with that I believe will help us to become more like him, to be moved by compassion. First, learn to see people the way Jesus sees them. You see, when everyone else looked at this man, all they saw was a label. They saw leper, unclean, unwanted, stay away. That's all they saw. But when Jesus saw this man, he saw all of that too. He saw the hair, he saw the ripped robes, he saw the, the disfigured skin, but he saw something more. He saw a man created in the image of God in need of a rescuer. I can still recall my reaction to the awful smell of a homeless man on the streets of Saskatoon. We were attending Bible college. We were encouraged on one evening. We went to the inner city, and we just walked around. We prayed, and however we felt led to go pray for people, hand them a cup of hot chocolate, this is what we were encouraged to do. And I still remember having this cup of hot chocolate in my hand and seeing this man and instantly saying, no, no, I'm not going to that man. And I wanted to turn away so badly, but something inside of me said, this is the man you're here for. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this, get it over with, and get out of here quick. And I walked over to the man, and I just said, um, sir, it's a cold night. I've just purchased a cup of hot chocolate. Could I give it to you? Would you like it? And the man just looks at me, and he says, he was speechless. He just he looks at me and he's like, yeah, and he takes it in his hand. And I just quickly, I'm like, I'm out of there. I can see this guy. He's just, I don't even want to describe what I saw. And I turned away and suddenly I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I turn back around and this guy wraps his arms around me. And the smell is in my nostrils. I don't know when he last had a shower. But the words he said, I've never forgotten. God bless you, man. God bless you. One moment, never saw the man again. But it did something to me. I see people a little bit differently because of that man. I see people on the street a little bit differently because of that experience. And I know from experience that we all must fight the tendency within ourselves to see people and to judge them by what we see on the outside. To criticize them by the outward appearance or some 
hastily applied label. For no matter what we see or know about them or think we know about them, we must always remember that God has made this person. Jesus died for that person, and he desires that we would be the ones to show compassion to them in Jesus' place. And so learn to see them the way Jesus sees them. Secondly, we need to learn that the need for compassion usually comes unexpectedly. In my experience, some of the greatest opportunities to show compassion come when you have the least time for it. Isn't that true? Doesn't it always seem to come up that that when people need help the most, it's when you're the busiest? It's when you least expect it or you have something really important that you're focusing on? Kind of like when you're struggling, or pardon me, you see that person on the side of the road struggling to change a flat tire. And you see them and you're, you're, you're driving up and you see them out of the corner of your eye and you see that they could probably use some help. But it just so happens that you're rushing to make it to church on time. Oh man, don't you hate it when that happens? What do you do? Do you say, well, I got more important things to do. I'm doing God's business. I got to be in church. Maybe God's business is on the side of the road that morning. See, it's so easy to make excuses. Too busy, too tired, other things more pressing, more urgent. But when we look at Jesus' example, we see that much of his ministry was simply a collection of moments like these. Moments of the unexpected, where people with need just came across his path, and he took time, he set aside whatever he had on the agenda for that day, and he met that need in whatever way he could. So we need to resolve within ourselves right now That the next time you have an opportunity, an unexpected one, to show compassion, resolve within yourself to not make excuses, not keep going, but instead stop and do something. Resolve it within yourself right now. The next chance you get, you're not going to make an excuse. You're going to do something to help. It comes unexpectedly. Be ready for it. Thirdly, showing compassion costs us something. David Jeremiah, the founder of World Vision, he tells a story about a man named Bob Pierce. Pierce had advanced leukemia, but he went to visit a colleague in Indonesia before he had passed away. As they were walking through a small village, they came upon a young girl lying on a bamboo mat right next to the river. She was dying of cancer, just like him. She only had a short time left to live. Bob was indignant. He demanded to know why this little girl was not in a hospital or in a clinic. His friend explained that she was from the jungle. There was no clinic. And all she wished was to be able to die in view of the river, her favorite place. Well, Bob looked at her. Compassion moved him in such a way that he got down on his knees. He got down in the mud, he took her hand, and just gently began stroking it. She didn't understand him. But he prayed for her. Afterwards, she looked up and said something in her language. What did she say, Bob asked his friend. His friend replied, she said, If only I could sleep again. It became instantly apparent that her pain was so great that she couldn't sleep. Bob began to weep. He knew that pain. He reached into his pocket and he took out his own sleeping pills the ones the doctor had given him because the pain from his own leukemia was so great that he couldn't sleep at nights either. He handed the entire bottle to this little girl and he said, you make sure this young lady gets a good night's sleep tonight and for every night as long as these pills last. 
Bob was 10 days away from where he could get that prescription refilled. That meant 10 painful and sleepless nights for himself. And that day, his servanthood cost him greatly. But even in the midst of his own suffering, God had infused a supernatural sense of inner satisfaction, a reward in and of itself, that he had done what was right. Very often, showing compassion will cost us something, whether that's our own comfort or our own dignity. Jesus did something that was extremely dangerous and unacceptable within the Jewish custom. He touched a man with leprosy. But Jesus didn't care about his personal risk or standing in the eyes of others. Compassion caused him to disregard his own standing and convenience for the sake of a man in need. You see, my friends, true compassion overcomes the obstacles of criticism, pride, or embarrassment. It overcomes inconvenience and discomfort. True compassion must disregard oneself and focus instead on the needs of the other, no matter the personal cost. Fourthly, compassion stirs us into action. You see, without compassion, pardon me, without action, compassion is useless. If this text had simply read Jesus was moved with compassion for this man but did nothing, Would the man have been healed? If we see someone struggling to change a flat tire on the side of the road, and we feel compassion but keep on going, will their tire be changed? If you feel compassion when you see pictures of starving children, but then do nothing to help them, will your compassion put food in their bellies? If you feel compassion for the fact that someone you know is struggling through life without the Lord Jesus without the hope of eternity with him, but don't do anything to share him with them, will your compassion aid in leading them to salvation? Quite simply, compassion stirs action. For without action, what good is our compassion? Compassion stirred Jesus into action. And so too, our compassion must stir us. And finally, compassion unleashes God's power. In this story, we see one act of compassion, one touch, changed a man's life. Even the smallest acts of compassion can unleash God's power and do more than we can even imagine. Jesus was moved by compassion. He touched the untouchable, and God's power was unleashed. Who has God placed in your life? Who has he placed in your path that if moved by compassion... You could reach out and touch their life. And then see what God will do. Because just one touch can change everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your touch in my life. And on behalf of everyone here this morning who has experienced that same touch, I say thank you. Like this man, we have not earned it, we do not deserve it, but in your compassion, in your great love, you reached out from heaven and touched earth and touched us, and we thank you. And so, Lord Jesus, we look at you and your compassion, and we are stirred in our spirits 
that we would be like you. And so, Father, work in us by your Spirit that which is pleasing to you, that we could be a people moved by compassion, that that compassion would stir us into action, and that through even the smallest actions, Lord, you could unleash your power to change someone else's life, just as you changed that man's life all those years ago. We pray this for your glory, the healing of others, the furthering of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.